0: something really cool last night and I want to share it with you, so have a little look at that. Oh, my days. (laughs) Why on earth would I show you that? That's fucking mad. Am I asking you to build a crossbow out of wood and metal? Uh, No. But as I was praying for this morning, God gave me a picture, and it was a picture of a human crossbow. And God spoke and said, I want to launch One Church Bristol. I want to launch One Church Bristol. But One Church Bristol isn't a building. We can't dig up the foundations of this building, stick it on a contraption and fire it across a lake. No, God is saying, I want to launch you. I want to launch you. I know the plans and the purposes I have for you. And I long to launch you into all that I've got for you. So I thought, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I'll tell them that, God. And then I thought, how likely would I be (laughs) to queue up? Ever been to Alton Towers? I am like a a proper scaredy cat. I do not queue for hours to to feel like pooing my pants on some (laughs) ride that absolutely scares the life out of me. So I am not your likely candidate. And if we are going to be the type of people that are willing to stand in line, to queue, to climb onto God's crossbow, lie down and trust him enough to fire us, that's going to take faith and courage and, and trust and all those things. So how on earth are we going to be a people that are willing to do that, unless you're Kai, and then Kai probably does that in his spare time because he plays rugby. And to me, that's the same. Why would you launch? Why would you launch yourself at a ball when ten other people are going to jump on top of you? I mean, it just doesn't stand to reason. So this message is for the rest of us, uh, other than Kai. And um, uh, one of the things that I found myself increasingly praying for our churches and our leaders, in light of the fact that God wants to do so much with us so much and because he adores us and he knows how we're made he knows what you are capable of nicola yeah. Yeah. he knows what you are capable of and so he is really excited that you can see what he sees mm-hmm. and he has produced so many promises and he is longing for you to hear what he is saying. And my prayer has been over our churches and over our leaders that we would have eyes to see all that God is doing and ears to hear all that God is saying so that our hearts will respond to all that God requires of us, even if it's climbing on a human or God-built crossbow to be fired, and by the way, do you know that a crossbow bolt travels at 400 feet per second, which is 120 meters per second, so you know, it's quite interesting, God was very specific when he said crossbow, they're one of the fastest shot fires that you can get, so God isn't wanting to go like, a bit like that, no, 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 you are, You're not even going to see yourself go (laughs) until you get there. Oh, I've arrived. Okay, that is the spiritual crossbow of God. Uh, Mike spoke last week from 2 Corinthians um, 11 about how you can just get the wrong end of the stick (laughs) with what God requires of you. And my message is wanting to concentrate this morning on how we can be in the very presence of Jesus, but hear and see Nothing. (laughs) Like deaf and blind, okay? And um, there are a couple of scriptures that I want to go to. Um, Mark 4, 1 to 13, if you've got it on your phones or on your apps, or it'll probably turn up at the screen, which is great, if I can get out of the way of it. There we go. Uh, It says this, um, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that had gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat out On the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. And in teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still others fell on good soil and it came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some a 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was all alone... The 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in stories, so that they may be, quote, from the Old Testament, ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, sarcastically, they may turn and be forgiven. It's that simple okay then jesus said to them don't you understand this parable how then will you understand any parable few things here number 1 yes jesus spoke in stories and and he was trying to explain that a lot of the crowds that he was speaking to some were on the outside what does he mean by that he means they had turned their hearts away to the outside of the kingdom. So they would listen to Jesus' stories and think, what a load of rubbish. That don't even make sense. That don't even make sense. You know, those lovely scientific bods that go, you say about God, you make him appear. That don't make sense. Because their hearts are turned towards the outside of what God is doing. Yet we are on the inside God has called us in but we are turned inward people on the inside inward have been given the ability to hear and see with spiritual ears and spiritualize far more than the physical stories so when Jesus says you who have ears hear Hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you. Um, In the Old Testament, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Ezekiel were told really clearly, go and tell my people all that I have promised them and all that I long over them with, but (laughs) they're not going to listen to you. And this is where that quote comes from. But they won't listen and they won't see because they're hard-hearted so that you're going to have a hard time. Ever been told to do something by God? Hey, wouldn't it be great? hey, Ali, go preach to one church, Bristol. Yay, thanks, God. Thanks, Mike. Love the opportunity. But guess what? They're going to hate you. Yeah? They're going to think you're stupid. They ain't going to believe a word you say. They are not going to listen. Okay? Yay. And that's what these prophets had to do. And, uh, and that's where that quote comes from. Ever seeing... But blind, ever ever hearing, but not hearing, Uh, they were turned away. And it's a warning because he then turns to the disciples and says, you are understanding this, aren't you? Like you are getting this, aren't you? Oh no, I thought if you're on the inside, you hear, right? And if you're on the outside, you don't hear, right? And if you're on the inside, you see it, right? Yeah? And if you're on the outside, you don't see it. The people on the outside don't see it. The people on the inside see it, yeah? That's what it said. Did it not say that? Anyone? 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 Okay, so let's go to Mark 8, 11 to 21. Okay, right, here we go. So this is just after the miraculous provision of the loaves and fish to 5,000 people. Okay? So it's quite quite a monumental moment. Great. Okay, here we go. The Pharisees, after viewing this miracle, came and began to question Jesus. We're in Mark 8, 11 to 21. He sighed deeply. Ooh, I think I'd have had a flu expletives myself, but Jesus sighed deeply. Here we go again. Um, why does this generation ask for a sign truly I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten the bread. Is that connected? Let's see. Okay. Except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. While they were on the boat, Jesus turned to his disciples, who were on the inside, yeah, not the outside. They were turned towards Jesus on the inside and said this, beware the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another, bless them, and said, oh no, forgot the blooming bread, didn't we? (laughs) Flipping dopes that we are, we forgot the blooming bread. That's why he's saying beware the yeast, it must be, it must be. Oh gosh, aware of their discussion, Jesus probably sighed deeply again, and said, why are you talking about having no bread? Uh, hello? Okay. Do you not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Um, do you have eyes to see but fail to, an ear? sorry, do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Heard that before? He's talking to his disciples. In fact, he's talking to his close friends. He's not talking to the crowd. He's talking to his nearest and dearest. And don't you remember when I broke five loaves, how many baskets you picked up? Twelve, they answered. When I broke seven loaves for 4,000, how many baskets? Seven, they answered. He said to them, do you still not get it? It is possible to be in the very presence of Jesus as his very, very close friend, not his enemy, and have eyes but not see. And have ears, hear nothing. And that will never get us in line to God's crossbow because we will never have the faith all the courage, or the trust, or the revelation yeah. that will take us forward to do something that is beyond yeah. humanly safe or wise. So God longs to give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and hearts to respond okay. And he's given us this capacity by the power of his Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 9-10, to love this. Love this, because I remember this happening to me at the age of 20, when I was a punk rocker with a big old Mohik and lots of chains from my nose to my ears, a jacket that said, uh, not, for, not forgive you, but another word beginning with F. And um, I would strut my stuff and uh, look hatefully at everybody. And then, due to my sister, her persistent belief that God could change my life, even though I would abuse her, mock her, make fun of her, lead her on the right old garden path and bother, make her buy me fags, she um, persisted in telling me that Jesus loved me. And one day I actually met him. I was in my bed sit. She, I just suddenly had an encounter of the Spirit of God and felt that Jesus came up to me and stood eye to eye, nose to nose. I could almost smell the Bible on him, you know what I'm saying? And I went... Jesus is here. And my sister in that flipping Christian light went, yeah, I know. (laughs) All right, well, I don't. I've just, blooming, had a revelation of it. I know you live in this stuff. I'm just like, oh, my goodness. And I remember suddenly being able to see a whole load more about myself, about the world, than I ever could see before. And I remember the Holy Spirit coming into my life, which is what happens when we are translated into Jesus' kingdom, the spirit of God goes, hey, I'm going to live in you and I'm going to show you everything about God and I'm going to be God's voice in you. Do you know that God is always speaking? God is continually speaking over us, over you, over you, over you, continually. And if you don't, the great cloud of witnesses, continually, 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 we live in this continual applause and encouragement from heaven. But do we hear it? Do we? 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 10 says, No no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But that doesn't mean, oh, you're never going to see it, so it's too big for you. It's too holy. It's too out there. It's not for you. Oh, no mind. Not your mind. Definitely not your mind. No, it's not saying that. It says, but it was to us that God revealed Ta-da! These things by his spirit. Cool. Get in. Not a magazine, not the TV, and definitely not the internet. Okay? His spirit. It searches out everything and shows us, ta-da, God's deep secrets. Wow. So, Holy Spirit living in me regardless of me lifting a finger at this point, I'm just breathing. Let's bear in mind, Christians only have to be breathing To have Holy Spirit living in them, okay? (laughs) Let's just get that straight. I haven't talked about my conduct or my habits or anything like that. I've just said I'm simply alive in Christ. And the Holy Spirit lives in me, which is the living voice of God, okay? And the living eyes of God in me. Get in. So why do I miss so much? Oh, my goodness. Right. I wake up in the morning to three alerts. Okay, that's not my children, they're not called alert. Three alerts on my iPad, and the three alerts are the following. They are the news headlines from my news app. This is what is going on in the world. Headlines, 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 headlines. Okay, then my social media prompts to see how loved I am. Okay, who has included me? Who's included me? Who's included me in their post? Who's included me? Who that I know has done something? Oh, I'm very interested. I'm very connected. Oh, it's lovely knowing what everyone's doing, isn't it? Is it? And uh, and the third prompt is my, uh, my you version, like a scripture will always come up. So, so all I've got to do in my bleary, dribbly, spotty, greasy faced state in the morning is reach for my iPad, and I have these three alerts that wake me up in the morning, ta-da, the first thing my eyes will see, which one shall I go to first? Oh, 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 which one shall I go to first? It's a compendium of choice, isn't it? Oh, do I go for the social media, do I? Oh, 12 prompts overnight. That's overnight, that's Diamond even doing the play. That means 12 people have included me or invited me to something so I could fix my eyes on social media and start my day by digesting other people's lives who quickly help me fix my eyes on lives that just seem to be a little bit prettier and more colourful than mine. So then I'm like, oh. <laughs> or maybe the news which helps me fix my eyes on a lot of things that are not going particularly great. Or idiots that are in leadership. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I would not do it that way. Why on earth would God allow them to? No comment. uh, Do that. You see, wherever you fix your eyes, becomes your view of life. So wherever I fix my human eyes, my eyes, wherever I fix my eyes, becomes my view of life. Or I go to my verse in the Bible and I wake up. I'm still greasy, I'm still spotty, I'm still bleary eyed, and I've still got that nice dribbly bit down there because I've got gaps in my teeth now I'm older. And, you know, I won't go into it, but it's not pretty. It's not pretty. I'm sorry. And I start my day with, You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I know the plans I've got for you today, says God. I'm faithful. I'll forgive you. My mercies are new every morning. I'm for you. I've got you. I'm with you. I have made you salt and light. And I'm going to go before you. Suddenly, what I have fixed my eyes upon becomes my view for life that day. And it's important to remember that what you fix your eyes on becomes your view of life. So be careful. Fix your eyes on God. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. There is a reason why Simon doesn't let me drive his car. Simon's got a Mercedes. It's an old one. It's not like the top of the range, is it? And for his birthday, I bought him like this private number plate, you know, like can't even remember what it is, but it's got S-A-J in it, you know. Sidejar, and he drives around his Merc, which has got quite a big engine. Now, the reason I'm not allowed to drive it is I am a little bit of a speed queen. I can't help it. The thing is, I've got a little old banger. I've got a Corsa, and I love my Corsa, but if I put my foot firmly to the floor, which I did all the way here, faithfully, it probably notches 85 if I'm lucky. If I'm lucky. And I know that's too fast. I know, <laughs> all right, all right, I know, um, so, so, but that is what, if I floor it, I'm going to get 85, I am never, ever going to consider burning somebody off at the lights, mm-hmm. I'm never, ever going to consider looking across going, my card is considerably faster than yours, <laughs> watch this, <laughs> unless I'm inside. I can't, I don't know what it is. I think it's because it's so rare a privilege to be able to have the capacity, the engine capacity to just like go. <laughs> I'm not saying I look at them or give them signals or anything. I'm just thinking I can, I can take you. White van, I can take you. And I'm going to. I'm going to do it nonchalant as if I hadn't even planned it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull off faster than you. And so Simon won't let me drive his car. And I get that. But this one day, we were going out, going out with the girls. My car wasn't going to get us to Bristol from Gloucester. So reluctantly, I promised lifts. So i have made my promises. They were relying on me. I had to take the Merck. Okay. So I had like, you know, you know, Simon, you know, there's a bit of a coach in him. So he sits me down. He goes, right. <clears throat> you're using my car, right? These are things you've got to remember. Mm-mm. You do not, you do not on any occasion for any reason go above 60. Is that clear? You do not, under any circumstance, lose my keys. Is that clear? You do not under any circumstances forget to lock the car. Is that clear? You do not, under any circumstances, park in a dodgy car park, like where Mike was brought up. Because <laughs> You make sure you pick a reputable, multi-storey NCP car park with cameras. Is that clear? You do not, under any circumstances, eat in my car. You do not, under any circumstances, drink alcohol before you drive my car. You do not, under any circumstances, breathe bad breath in my car. Is that clear? Yes, Simon. Okay, you can borrow it. So off I went I'm oh, come on girls I'm like he's got a great stereo music's pumping I can't even hear the engine which is a bit Dutch you have to watch the speedometer which I did do sometimes but sometimes you forget and you only have to be halfway down for it to go really fast. So, so like it's really hard to try and keep your foot up enough to let it go slow enough anyway I tried my best what can I say but I did park in a reputable multi-story car park. Went up, well, said the guy, it's going to cost, it. yeah, costing an arm and a leg, yeah, we, we must be paying for your roles, sort of car park, in we go. You know, went up, parked, didn't bump anything, didn't mount the, you know, as you're going round. <laughs> Did, I was really good, parked the car, off we went, girls, out for a meal, went to uh, Bristol Theatre, came out, came back to the car park, oh, that was great, everything's fab, no car. Yeah, you felt it. No car. I'm going, oh, come on, come on. Girls, girls. we're in the right place, aren't we? Look, we're definitely in the right place. It's definitely where we parked it. It It's definitely where we parked it. We knew that there was a black and a white car quite quite close. We knew we were in the right place. We were in the right place. We're staring. There is no car. They say those awful words that are worse than Satan is standing in front of you about to kill you they say you're gonna need to phone simon oh man i hate this so i dial the number don't i hi si hey love you had a good time yeah you on your way home yeah nearly what's wrong the car's not here you what the car's not here. The car's not there. Why do they start echoing? Yeah, the car's not here. The car's not here. Yeah, the car's not here. What? The car's not here. Yeah, the car's not here. Okay. And I'm like, like I'm. you didn't lock it, did you? I did lock it. I knew I locked it. You did lock it. Yeah, I definitely locked it. Right. You definitely locked it. Are you in an NCP park? Yes, I am in an NCP car park. Well, they've got cameras. Go and see the tender right now right now, okay, went down, walking around, and he, he said, don't you get, you keep me on the line, you keep me on the line, yeah, okay, love, keep me on the line, yeah, I'm all right, good, yeah, he's fine, he's fine, yeah, he says fine, uh, you just stay there, I'm all. he's not fine, he's clearly not fine at all, anyway, so I'm walking around, I've got Simon in my ear, and he's going through all things, have you eaten in the car then as well, did you go over 70, no, no, I didn't at all, I'm absolutely fine, did everything you said, I just, it's just no car. And just as we got down to the ground floor, he said, you are on the right level, aren't you? Absolutely so. I, yeah. Yeah, what level did you park on? I level, level three. Definitely, deaf, 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 rain man, level three. Definitely, definitely, definitely level three. Was it level three? I went, yeah, just, just going to go and check that. All the levels looked the same. What can I say? Saw the girls. Girls, let's just check. Went up to level 4 Ta-da! There was the car. It felt like exactly the right place. Everything looked totally familiar. But we were one level short. We had to go one level up. We had to go one level up. And you can fix your physical eyes on good stuff. But there will always be a point where God will want to show you something beyond your physical eyes. And you'll have to go just one level up. We were standing under the car, losing the car. We were standing under the car, physically under the car, losing the car. We couldn't see the car. The car was, yeah, you get it? It was above us. It was above us, right there. And we had to go one level up to see. And God says, let your prayer be. God, look up, fix your eyes. Open the eyes of my heart. God, I wanna see what you see. I wanna see what you see. I was in Altea on holiday uh, with Simon. We went into a restaurant and uh, it was a busy restaurant, quite a chic restaurant. I felt underdressed because I'm overweight, so I'm at the fat side of my wardrobe, so it's never my best clothes. So I felt a bit, mm, you know, I'd like to wear what she's wearing, size 8, cow. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so we're in, this, we're in this restaurant, so I felt slightly intimidated by the physical circumstances of where we were at. But spiritually, I had already fixed my gaze on Jesus that day. Yeah? So my little eyes were already seeing beyond the seeing. And I just looked across, and there was a table of people. There was a young woman at that table, and God clearly showed me a picture of sitting her on His lap and just soothing her. She was crying her eyes out. Just a, it was a spirit. It was a picture in my head. Do you understand that? It was a picture you get when you get your when your physical eyes are closed, and your spiritual eyes are open. And I uh, didn't know anything about her. She was a total stranger, but I knew the Spirit of God was saying, "I have sh- God is saying." I am letting you see what I need her to see. I am letting you see what I need her to see. So I am, all, I am a big believer in the prophetic uh, gift is mainly for outside our walls. Do you know that? Why do you need prophecies, guys? You got it all the time, in and out. You got people around, you got the word of God. They need the prophetic word. And so I picked my time. I've, I'm quite seasoned in this, so I didn't like go, da da Guess what? I'm a Christian. Okay, so I, I, I waited by my, by my time. I managed to get into the table. And I said, "Oh, excuse me. My name's Ali. I'm from I'm from England. Do you speak English?" She said, "Oh, yes." Uh, and I just I just leant down so that the whole table weren't listening, and I just said, um, "I just felt that God gave me a picture of you sitting on His lap and Him soothing you." And I don't know what you are struggling with or what you are upset about at the moment. But God just wants to comfort you, and he just wanted me to share that with you. I hope that doesn't upset you, and no? that's it, you know. And she bursts into tears loudly at the table. So now I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. See, God, God just says trust him, yeah? You yeah, know, yeah, it's not, we're not always going to come out. Jesus never always came out looking like the Savior, but he was the Savior. When he was beaten and bloodied on a cross, he didn't look like the Savior, but he was the saviour. So am I going to be obedient because it makes me look good or am I going to be obedient because God has shown me something that he wants me to do, regardless of the reception I might get? Because I can remember Christians talking to me before I was on the inside and I used to turn my jacket and say, with respect. So she has every right to do that, but she didn't. She cried and we had a conversation. She'd lost her father. She didn't believe God would... Uh, allow her dad to die of cancer, and I was able to just bring a word in season. Seeing with spiritual eyes makes all the difference to the people you meet, your friends at work. God, what do you see? Show me what you see. Show me what you see. Open the eyes of my heart. Beautiful principle. The more you see, the more you'll see. Uh, when Matthew talks about the parable of the sower, he says, those that have, more will be given. Those that don't have, even what they've got will be taken away from them. And it's this principle. The more you allow God to let you see, the more you'll see. Um, Psychologists in the University of California did this great experiment. They uh, picked a very busy street in California, in LA, and they, um, they pinned money to it. It was a money tree because they were testing the principle of unattentional blindness. Without expecting something, we are unlikely to pay attention to it. When we are not paying attention to something, we are surprisingly likely not to see it. So the more you see, The more you expect to see, therefore the more you see. And there's a brilliant YouTube video, you'll see it, and they set up this tree full of money. And so instead of leaves, it's like dollar notes are everywhere on this tree. And you just see people like walking straight past it because they're not expecting it fixing your eyes on the word of God will build your expectation to see God and the more you see God the more you'll see God the more you see God the more you'll see God another writer talks about it's like a house full of locked doors and God says hey take that he throws you a key you take it and it opens two doors and you go wow I'm into two rooms in this huge house. This is amazing. And you go in, and in one room you find two keys. In another room you find another key, and they open even more doors, and suddenly it gradually unfolds. Seeing is a process. If you were to see everything now, A, you wouldn't know how to perceive it, and B, you wouldn't deal with it well. But God wants you to begin. God, I want to see. I want to see. And when we see, it gives us faith. Doing that, I probably the very first time God, gave, God made me see something for somebody, I was really terrified. And I did it, and I remember physically shaking. I don't shake as much now, but it's still required of me. But now I face other problems. So my confidence is high, but my willingness can be low. It's not so spectacular anymore to do it. It's a bit samey. So I have to continually say, God, I want to obey what you are putting in my eyes to see. Ears to hear. Right. Unlike eyes, ears don't have lids. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) If I don't want to see something, that's fine. If I don't want to hear something... Ears take in everything, okay? Ears take in everything. And there is a verse in the Bible, let me find it, Romans 10, 17, that says this. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So faith, if you want faith, you jolly well listen to what God's got to say. Got it? Easy, right? If you want to hear, you've got to read the Bible. <laughs> hey? Right, yeah. Faith comes by hearing. As we hear God, it builds us up. And hearing comes by His Word. His Word. His Word, yeah? I was listening and watching Piano Tuner. YouTube clips. I'm a saddo, by the way, just to let you know that this is what I do. It was in prep for today, so I, I'm a little bit, you know, I don't normally watch piano tuners. Uh, I know, you know, most piano tuners be like that. Actually, I found out they're not the most um interesting people, but they do have an ear. So um, I was listening to this one particular guy, and he was saying, I'm sure what you need to do. You need to set your, set your gauge that does it. So that you have to set it, anyway, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, I'm now going to play a first and a fifth. And you should be able to hear that mm, of the mm, blah, blah, blah. So he goes, boom, boom. Do you hear it? I'm like, no. <laughs> Let me try that again. Boom, boom Do you hear it? Me, no. <laughs> And then he says, it's okay if you don't hear it. Practice and you will hear it. Okay, thanks. Practice and you will hear it. Why can this piano tuner hear what we can't hear? Because he has trained his ear to hear. The Bible trains your ear to hear. The the Bible trains your ear yeah. to hear. Yeah. If you go, I can't hear God, then read your Bible. Yeah. The more you read your Bible, the more you'll hear God. Yeah. Uh-uh. Okay? Listen, right, I sound really smug. I need to stop being smug. Because I really struggle the same as you. I'm not here because I'm have I've nailed. Boom, boom. Are you here it? No. <laughs> okay. I'm 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 the oh my goodness, Ali, you no wonder you're not hearing. You're not reading, if you're not reading, you're not training, you're not hearing. So it works. This is not me at you, this is me with you, okay? Okay, that's cool. When I was first married to Simon Hector Archibald Jarvis, Hector Archibald are made up, the rest is right. Um, I'd come from a really like tough background and, and and my dad bless him he's dead now but he wasn't very affirming so i grew up um i grew up knowing i was quite good at stuff but never really had uh, like that you're beautiful you know you know some you like, can't even if you hate your christian parents right or, or can't. Stand, if they have affirmed you in your life Oh, that's great. Be grateful for that, please. Um, So when I married Simon, who like every girl had a word from God they were going to marry, he was like the cream of the crop. He had the hairiest chest and he raised his arms higher than everybody else in church. They all loved him and I got him. So me, the most unlikely, come from a really messy past. I was not qualified. I should not have been the girl he brought home. Okay, okay. In fact, fair play to Micah and Mavis, fair play. They must have been thinking, oh God, oh God, oh please not her, let it let it be a face, let it be a face, let it be a fling, let it be a fling, it can be a fling, he can fling, he can fling, I don't care, let him fling, let him fling, but, and, but hopefully they said God open our spiritual eyes, maybe, I don't know. Um, But when we got married, I was plagued with the insecurities that I'd always had. And the insecurity that used to rule me was this. If he looked into the eyes of a really good, clean Christian girl, he'd realize he'd made a mistake. So he wouldn't divorce me, but he'd always realize that he'd picked the wrong person and it's too late. And it, was, it plagued me, so much so that in our early marriage, we were, we were leaders, we were youth leaders, we were running a thriving youth group. I used to try and intervene, if ever he was talking to girls, young women, I would intervene, because I used to try and get in the way of that gaze. The minute he looks in her eyes, he's going to realise, and it literally ruled me. It ruled me. And if we'd been in church and at the end of church he'd spoken to somebody and she was, you know, just a beautiful Christian woman, any, I want to say any age, I'm not talking too, you know, that'd be a bit weird and inappropriate, but I'm talking, you know, 16s and over. All right, right, let's just name it, 16s and over. Um, he would come home and I'd go, oh, um, so-and-so's pretty, isn't she? And he'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, I suppose she is. Oh, so you think she's pretty then? Uh... Uh, I don't know yeah but you said she's pretty so if you said she's pretty you must think she's pretty you you said she's you did say she's pretty and I would heave Simon into this court of law that had been constructed by my insecurities and fear that I wasn't good enough for him that I was going to lose him this went on for two years of our marriage and we didn't tell anybody Simon was now at the stage where he didn't look he wouldn't look up no one, he'd talk to guys, but he wouldn't look up. And if women came towards him to talk to him, he'd try and find a reason not to talk to them. And I knew it, and he knew it, nobody else knew it. We never told anybody, and he was trying to protect me. And we just had this awful secret, and I hated it, and I hated myself. And I remember getting on my knees before God saying, God, I don't want to live like this. And a good Christian leader gave me a book. I can't remember, it was a Christian singer who wrote, Holding On To Heaven With Hell On Your Back. And she talked about that Satan was just running rife with her life. And the enemy, she was just believing everything the li- that the enemy was saying. And she took a walk along the beach one day. And the waves were coming at her. And she felt these waves were like goads, you know. And she physically stood on a beach. She physically dug her heels into the sand. she went, this far, no further. I'm now coming at you. And even though the voice of the enemy felt like the vastness of the sea coming towards her, her heels were dug in. And she said, no further. I'm now going to come at you. And something in me happened. And I began to say, right, I'm coming at this insecurity. I'm fed up of it ruling my life. And it felt massive. And it had been my whole life. And it was my familiar voice. And it was even my comfort because I was so familiar with it. But, and I didn't even believe I could be different. I could not see myself different. But I dug my heels in and I began reading every single passage in the Bible that talked about my worth. Every single passage. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the apple of my eye. You are the head, not the tail. I have made you wonderfully. I sing over you. I speak over you. I long after you. You are my love. Song of Solomon's. That's all you need to read. My goodness. Bang. Okay? Come away with me, my love. I long for time with you. You are amazing. You are fantastic. All these scriptures. And when I started reading them, they were this big, and my insecurity was this big. Yeah? And, but I kept reading. I kept reading. I kept reading. I kept reading. And I got to the place where it was, I'd love these to be true. First of all, it was like, these can't be true. I know it's the truth, but I, I, this is not what I feel. Then it was, I'd like this to be true. I'd really like this to be true I kept re- every day every day I had 10 scriptures that I read over and over and over and over and over again three months later we are in Bristol we're in the Mount of Olives as young pastors and I'm in Westbury on trim and I'm in Summerfield <laughs> that was and I've got me basket of goodies budget basket we were poor and um and as I looked at this woman who was in front of me in the queue, she had this big diamond ring on, huge diamond ring. And I went, I went, oh, God, look at that. Because <laughs> he was the only one there. <laughs> I wasn't with anybody. It was just me and Jesus. He went, have another look. So I looked and he went, that's you. I didn't hear it. I heard it. I heard it so deep that I began to emotionally respond in Summerfield. <laughs> I had to put my basket down, leave it there and scoot off home, scoot off home. Oh, it's only a two-minute walk. Scoot off home. And I literally remember trotting home, trot, 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 sorry, trotted home. I got into my front door, I closed my front door, I fell in a heap on my, on my hall and I sobbed my heart out as the word of God Got so deep into me that it pushed out everything else. And I sobbed. I was just going, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The Word of God had plowed my heart to receive the seed of the Word of God. The Word of God had plowed my hard, insecure, lie believing heart, plowed, plowed, plowed to receive the word of god that was to set me free the story and the parable of the sower is a hearing and seeing problem god is speaking to you if if we are believing lies and our hearts our hearts are hard we ain't going to he can he can It says the farmer broadcasts. That's that's what farmers used to do in those days. They broadcast the seed. They would broadcast it. It would go everywhere. There were thousands of seed. He didn't just go like... Right? Like we do when we're like growing... something, keep it a certain, certain distance apart. No. Farmers in those days threw the seed out. And wherever it lands. God is throwing his words out. He's throwing his promises out. He's throwing his plans out over you. And whatever you are soft in, you will receive. Oh God, soften our hearts. Let the word of God plow your heart. Cut into it. Cut into it. When you feel cut into, it hurts. Sometimes I read the word of God over myself and it hurts. Sometimes because I know it's telling me to do something I haven't done or it's convicting me of sin, or it's telling me, you should be in this, and you're in that. You're pecking around like a chicken. You should be soaring like an eagle. What are you doing? Sort it. Ow. Plow. Ow. Plow. Ow. Oh, come on. Okay, allow the word of God to plow you, high beautiful, to hear his word. Seeing and hearing will ultimately result in responding, how can it not? How can you live with a revelation of God so big and so vast like a huge reference library as far as the eye can see of promises before your face every day and not have just that little bit of faith and courage to go, okay God, I'll obey you. You see, obedience will get us Onto the crossbow so that God can launch us. Hearing and seeing will give us the faith and the courage. Courage from his voice. Faith with hearing his word. Knowing the truth sets us free. Love setting us free from fear. Humility instead of pride. I'm proud when I'm defensive. I'm defensive when I'm trying to hide away from something I know I should be doing. Okay? You may be the same. Say la okay? Humility instead of pride. Running out of excuses. Running out of distractions because we've mastered them. Running out of insecurities because God soothed them. Being filled with the knowledge of him instead of them. God wants to launch you. Let your prayer this morning be, oh God, more than this, please open my spiritual eyes. And God will say, I long for you to see what I'm doing. I long for you to see it. So as you fix your eyes on God's word, on God's character, on God's things, you will see. Here, here's a key. You bother to stay with me. You bother to come away with me this morning instead of going on social media. Here, catch. See what it opens up for you. You spent two hours flipping out. You're not falling asleep, miracle. Here's three keys. See what they open up for you. And God wants you to hear, but you will not hear unless you are in His Word. And it's okay. We all struggle with it. We all do. And that's because it's spiritual. There is one book on earth Satan is terrified of you reading. And it's the Bible. You can pick up anything else. It's easy, isn't it? Good old jelly splash, my little go-to. And God will go, oh, Jesus sighs deeply. <laughs> he doesn't stop me. <sighs> he just sighs deeply because <laughs> he knows I'm missing it. God, give us everything ears to hear you, and eyes to see you, and hearts to respond to all that you want to do with us. Thank you, guys.